I'm going to start by, have you got my nice picture of my nice plants? Hey. Um, my son has taken this and beautifully cropped it. Um, I have decided there weren't enough plants in my life, so I've decided to start buying some plants. Um, you might be able to recognise them. On the right-hand side, they've all got posh Latin names, but I don't know what they are. The one on the right is a good old 1980s favourite, which is? A yucca, yes. The one in the middle, um, you probably can't see very clearly, is a... Have a guess? Well, yeah, it's similar to that. It's a, called a snake plant. I don't know, this might be the same sort of thing. And the one on the left, um, I'm, I really like that one, actually, because that was on the shelf, um, at the, right at the back, on the shelf, sort of all hidden away, looking all dusty in the garden centre. It, it should have been £24, which actually I think is a bit over the top, to be quite honest. But instead of being £24, I assume because it was all stuffed in the back, on the back shelf, it was going for £10. So I sort of looked at it and thought, I haven't a clue what it is. It is, does anyone know what that is, actually? It is a peace lily, but it's a non-flowering peace lily. Anyway, I sort of walked out of the garden centre, leaving this peace lily there, and you know when you've got to go back for something? I thought, oh, I've got to go back for this. And I think we were with our sons, and one of them had gone to get the car, and uh, I went back, bought this peace lily, stood at the side of the road waiting for them to pick us up with these flat things, and he looked at me and said, I knew you'd go back for that, <laughs> which I had. Um, but actually, I'm very proud of them. So they are also, a couple of those, are from an online um, store, and it's from a section that describes these plants as plants that are easy to care for and hard to kill. So, I can give you the website if you really would like plants that are easy to care for and hard to kill. Um, and I was just looking at these plants, and obviously, particularly that peace lily that was sort of stuck at the back on the shelf, it couldn't really thrive and grow and develop to its full potential stuck there. I'm hoping it does that in my presence. But obviously, all these plants need certain things in order to live. So they need light, they need air, they need water, they need food. They need the right environment, so that's the space to live and to grow, and the time to develop. And each of those plants up there actually has slightly different needs. So the snake plant is tough, and it's okay in shade. The yucca loves being in the conservatory with the bright sunshine on it. And the peace lily needs to be kept away from cold drafts and heat sources. So at the moment, that's a bit of a difficult one, really, the heat sources. But also, we have basic needs so that we can live. We need all those things because we're living creatures that the plants need. But we need more than the basics if we're really going to thrive and to flourish in our lives, to be healthy and to have healthy spiritual lives. So just a few of the things, I'm sure there's lots, and people here will know more than, about this than me, but we need to know we are loved. We need to know we, we belong. And I believe as well, we need to know where we belong, where we've been planted, basically. We need to feel esteemed. Richard last week was talking a little bit about the ego. Um, so when we talk about feeling esteemed, I feel awful looking at you, Richard, because I'm sure you know all about this, and you probably wonder what I'm going to say. Um, 
But we need to feel esteemed. It's not about feeding our ego, but it's about feeling valued where we are. Each one of us here needs to feel valued and that we're part of the body and that we're needed. And we need to know we're living our lives with a purpose. And we also need to be in the right environment where we're able to achieve our full potential. Does that all sound, does that sound about right? Good. So what is our true environment as believers? So it's one where we can both live in and reflect the light of Jesus. It's one where we can breathe the fresh air of the Spirit and where we can drink deeply of the fresh waters of the Holy Spirit. It's where we can eat at God's table. It's where we can grow together, but also where we can be given space to be ourselves. Where we're all works in progress, aren't we? There's not one person here. I just remember Trevor Schotter having his L plate up. Do you remember that when he preached those people that were here? Um, we are all works in progress. All of us are learners. However we old we are, however young we are, we're all learners in the faith. And we need to be given time to develop in character and maturity. Do you know, we planted some lavender. We got some little lavender plants last year. We're not, we're not great plant people, but we sort of stick things in and, and hope for the best, really. But we had all these little lavender plants, and we expected them to suddenly blossom forth and smell beautiful and have beautiful blooms on them. But nothing seemed to happen. They didn't seem to grow. They just seemed to be stuck in these pots and stay about the same size. And then this year, we've looked at them, and they're wonderful. They're just blooming. They, they smell beautiful. They've got all the blooms on them. They needed time to develop. Maybe we were trying to push them a bit too quickly. We don't all grow at the same pace. Um, for us, our true community, our true environment rather, is as a community of believers. And those of us that are here, this is where we believe this is the environment that we need to be in. We're part of the big, bigger body of the church. We're part of the body of Christ following Jesus together. And that's very much what we've been talking about, isn't it, over this season, being believers together. So as individuals, we can and we should make sure we're developing in the right environment. So we need to be developing our relationship with Jesus. We need to be putting in the, the reading the word, praying, putting in the, the making sure we're, we're making sure that we're in the sort of right soil, basically and feeding ourselves well. But though we need to do that, there is something special and exciting when we meet together. Wherever Jesus went, if you notice in the Bible, if you read the Bible, wherever Jesus went, things always happened. Sometimes they, there was conflict. People didn't like what he was saying. But things always happened. People were healed, lives were changed. And that's how it should be when we meet together. There are also things that can be achieved only when we are together. So the gifts of the Spirit have been given to the church. You know, I can have a great meal, can't I? Or we can all have a great meal when it's just God and us. We can have really good times in the Spirit, can't we? Where we're sitting down, we're reading the Word, we're praying. The presence of God comes. It's wonderful. It builds us up. We can speak in tongues. We can maybe have the interpretation of the tongue. But that's not where the gift really comes to its um, fullness. We can have a great meal when it's just God and me, but when we come together, it should be like a banquet. 
all those things are coming together, all the elements are coming together. We might be moving in the gifts, someone's speaking tongues, someone's interpreting a tongue, we have, uh, have a word. I can't just sit having all those things just for me because that's not how it's meant to be. We are never meant to go it alone. God's plan is to achieve his purposes through his body, the church, and a spoiler alert, he will succeed. So just really, this isn't a beginning, middle, and end thing, really. There aren't three points you'll be pleased to know. I'm just going to get, talk about two things. And the first is, to, they're just encouragements, really. I want us to be encouraged together. And they're both elements that are quite important in our thinking at the moment. So firstly, let's live where the waters flow. Let's live in an environment where the Holy Spirit is moving and Jesus' life and love is at the centre. I was looking back at times I've spoken and I seem to speak a lot about water and rivers and streams. And at the moment, you know, we're all, we just need water, don't we? And water is mentioned, apparently, I haven't counted it, but water is mentioned 722 times in the Bible. It's mentioned, Charles might know this actually, do you think that's about, no, right. He's not saying it isn't, but he doesn't know it. It's mentioned more often than faith. It's mentioned more often than hope. You might want to check this. I'm just reading what I've read online, but I'm believing it. It's mentioned more often than prayer. It's mentioned more often than worship. So maybe it's right to be able to talk about water. It's there at the beginning, actually. In the Garden of Eden, it's there at the end in Revelation. So if we could just look at Psalm 36, a few verses in there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It should miraculously appear, which it has. Um, This is a great psalm, actually. It starts with the thoughts and words of the wicked who don't fear God at all. And the passage where I'm just going to read the verses there, just a beautiful passage about the great loving kindness and faithfulness of God. And it's a wonderful vision covering the heavens, the skies, the mountains the oceans, the river, and over everything, the light of God. I get excited. You know, there are ways that God speaks to us. I think God speaks to me through nature a lot. And I've got very excited. Have people been watching that sturgeon moon recently? You're all looking at me as I'm mad. There's a moon at the moment. It's just, it's the last big super moon. And it's just been coming through the window and it's been so bright. And I was getting very excited. You had to be up about three o'clock in the morning, actually, to see it at its best. But just coming, anyway, I won't go on about it. Just coming through the windows, I will go on about it. Just coming through the windows, just seeing it just raises your eyes to the heavens, doesn't it? To know that it's not just about little you. There is so much more. So I'll read a few verses here. Um, So it's Psalm 36, verses 7 to 9. Actually, I'm going back to 5. I've put 7 here, but I've gone back to 5. Your unfailing love... O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. That's difficult to say. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from the river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Verse 8, you feed them from the abundance of your house. Verse 8, speaking of abundance, when we meet, we come together in the context of God's unfailing love. With God, there is always abundance, 
and generosity. The rivers of the spirit, because water symbolizes the spirit, are always meant to be moving. They're never meant to be stagnant. Stagnant water can be dangerous. You know, it looks unpleasant, but it can also be dangerous because it can incubate bacteria and parasites. And apparently the longer it sits stagnant, the more dangerous it becomes. Ooh, it's horrid, isn't it? Stagnant water. All that green stuff on it. Where there is life, the waters are always clear and flowing. There is no drought or stagnation where the spirit moves. Holding on to what God has given to us can also make the waters stagnant. Blessings are meant to flow out from beyond us to the community. Stagnant water is not attractive. Flowing water attracts people to us. Where things are moving, where the waters are flowing, will be attractive people. In John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow out from believers' hearts. That's the Holy Spirit. So as we come together as individual believers, we contribute to the flow. So if I'm living in the flow myself, and the waters are flowing out of me, when I come together with you, there's going to be a torrent, isn't there, of the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we come with the river flowing in us, with a sense of expectation, not just drawing the water, but being replenishers of the water, someone who adds to the flow. Now, there are times when we're dry, aren't there? There are times when we're dry, and we can come and we receive. We can drink deeply from the worlds of living water, but a lot of the time we need to come out of what's flowing from us and be replenishers. And we should meet with the expectation that things will happen. I just remember one of the well meetings, I think, that we have here, where the prayer meetings, basically. It just reminded me, for some reason, about meetings I used to go to. I know some people weren't born in the 1970s. I am the mother of a millennial. Is that right? But I'm not one, surprisingly. Um, I remember going to the meetings in the 1970s where there was a real expectation that God would show up and move. There were worship meetings and prayer meetings which you just wouldn't want to miss. You just wanted to be there. And we need to be like that again, to stir that up in us. To want to be, I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings, to want to be at hub meetings, to want to be at the prayer meetings. Sometimes over time, you know, the older ones of us, perhaps not the millennials yet, we can become complacent. Maybe we can become a little dusty. You have to, um, some of those plants that were up there, you have to go and dust the leaves a little bit. Because if you don't, you block the sunlight. And ultimately, those plants lose their ability to breathe properly. So there are times we need to wash ourselves off, get ready for God to do something fresh amongst us. And verse 9, for you are the fountain of life. I love fountains. Um, Anyway, I haven't got time to talk about how much I love fountains. But sometimes we need to get under the fountain where there's cleansing, there's refreshing, where we can regain a sense of awe and joy and the right perspective on what our walking together with Jesus is all about. So we need to get excited and expectant. And then secondly, I think as well that actually that's a deliberate action, isn't it? Deliberately to wash ourselves and to cleanse ourselves. And secondly, We need to live in the place where the fires burn. Uh, There were a couple of words last week, one from Lynn Kern and one from Peter Crabtree, about the world needing a raging fire to burn. The church needs to burn 
um, Lynn's word came, and that people are flammable. As we come alongside them, people can be caught alight by the spark in us, basically. And Peter said we have to be on fire to set the world on fire. We have to have a baptism of fire that comes from our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how can I live in a place where the waters flow and the fires burn? Because I was going to talk about the waters flowing and then those words came and I thought, well, how can the two be compatible? Isn't it a contradiction? Some years ago, God gave me a word that he would cause a fire to burn in me. But I'm not being silly, but if streams of living water are flowing out, isn't that going to quench and put out the flames of fire? But God doesn't think like us, thankfully. And the Holy Spirit can be both water and fire. And both of these elements can be used to wash or to purify us, to create a passion for Jesus in us and to help us to be more like him. So I'll just quickly, I am conscious of time, but I think I did start a bit later. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, very well-known verses. The Holy Spirit coming, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability or disability. So, roaring wind, tongues of flame. God can speak in a still small voice. He can speak in, in a roaring wind and tongues of flame. And I think we've had a word also about our, our tongues becoming um, full of flame and fire to speak out um, for Jesus. So water can run gently and bring us peace. A fire, I don't know how many fires we have crackling in grates anymore, but a fire can be relaxing and warm our souls. But water and fire are both powerful forces when they're uncontained. We like, they're, they're fine when they're contained, aren't they? But we should never try to contain the Holy Spirit. He wants to break out among us. We've been hearing a lot about fires. They can be ignited just by a tiny spark, a barbecue on a dry moorland. And where the Holy Spirit moves as fire, the areas of our lives that have become dry can be reignited. But where the rivers flow, where the spirit is active, that can also set a blaze going. It's almost as though, as the waters are stirred up, it's almost like the rivers, the streams, are flammable themselves. It's like flammable liquid. As the spirit moves, it just sets on fire and it just drenches us. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Fan into flames the spiritual gift God has given you. The gifting I have, the gifting each one of us here has, is needed by every single one of us, all of our individual gifts. My spark, your spark, added together to the sparks of other people adds to the blaze. So if our individual lives are on fire because of our relationship with Jesus, when we come together, our individual flames set and make part of a bigger fire. When we meet, as we worship, as we pray, as we encourage one another, as we serve together, we burn even brighter. A huge blaze won't go unnoticed by the community around and our flammability can touch others. So just remember, as we're saying this, we're talking about being here in the spirit, stirring up, getting into the waters, being set ablaze, but it's all for there, isn't it? It's to encourage us to build us, but ultimately it's to flow out. So let's live in our true environment. 
Let's do it together. Let's be intentional as we meet together to come with an expectation and excitement to live where the waters of the Holy Spirit flow, the fires of the Holy Spirit burn. It's not for us, but it's so that the waters can flow out into our communities and the fires can burn and we can set other people alight. Thank you.